T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Talk and Golf with Ann Ligori on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. on this Sunday morning, September 4th. Happy Labor Day weekend. Hope you're not laboring too much <laughs> on or off the golf course, for that matter, and having fun out there. Talking Golf with Anna is brought to you by Ivy Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for Men and Women, featuring the exclusive Icefail cooling technology, along with SPF 50 plus sun protection. Visit IBKUL.com to learn more. Wow, where did the season go? Actually, September and October are my two favorite months to play golf here in the New York metropolitan area and in the Northeast. So I am looking forward to getting out on the links more these next two months. Time flies when you're having fun, right? (laughs) This is our last Talking Golf show of the season. And as I mentioned last week, we will be back next season. So after this show, I will look forward to visiting with you starting next April when Talking Golf resumes back again, starting with that first Sunday of Masters Week. So thrilled about that as I love talking with you and visiting with you, Talking Golf, and really appreciate all your feedback and your listening to Talking Golf every Sunday, all spring and summer long. And uh, many of you know that I've been covering the U.S. Open Tennis Championship for this station since WFN first went on the air back in 1987, uh, doing updates. Remember when we had updates every 20 minutes? Then we did the updates every half hour. Then we did the hourly, at the top of the hour, updates as the station format changed through the years. So I covered every single one of Serena's singles matches on the Ash Stadium court throughout her storied career. I remember when she won her first U.S. Open, first of six U.S. Open titles. Her first one was back in 1999. She was 17 years old. She had the beads in her hair. She beat uh, Martina Hingis in straight sets. Martina was number one in the world back then. And Serena became the first black woman to win a a slam singles title in the open era. And I watched her win the title in 2002 when she beat her sister Venus. And she won again in 2008, 2012, 2013, 2014. So it's really been incredible watching Serena through the years. Hey, I also watched her meltdowns, you know, threatening lines, judges, and yelling at umpires getting called for foot faults and getting called for being coached from the sidelines. And, hey, it was the good, the bad. Uh, Either way, she always brought intensity to the court. And this U.S. Open was her last, as you all know, as she is evolving from the game. She wrote that in Vogue magazine, evolving, not retiring, just evolving. Uh, But you know what? For not playing much this year, she dug deep and she showed just moments of real brilliance. Each of her three matches this past week, I mean, she's fought so hard. They were just thrilling to watch. I was talking to Ed about the the matches. I know Ed's a tennis fan. 
in the studio there. And Friday night's third round match was better than most finals I've watched at the U.S. Open. And I, I was just so impressed with the quality of the points. Both players bringing every ounce of energy and fight that they could muster. And you know the match lasted over three hours long. Serena fighting off five match points. And her opponent, Isla Tomjanovic, maintaining her composure, never backed down. Showed so much out there in the three-set win over Serena. And Serena hung in, dug deep, and even to defeat, she showed what a true warrior she is. And although Serena lost, she was able to say a proper goodbye on the court. She uh, was able to walk out very proud with the way she was playing. And yes, in my opinion, she is the goat of women's tennis. Her play this week and the fact that she is stepping away from the game, evolving away from the game, as she put it, it really was the biggest story in sports this past week. And, um, you know, playing in her final major, it's, it's really been an honor to cover her all these years. 23 major title wins, 14 major title wins in doubles, two in mixed, 73 career singles titles. Hats off to Serena Williams, whom I've never seen play golf, by the way. <laughs> you know, a lot of tennis players are very passionate about golf, but I've never seen Serena pick up a golf club, so maybe... Now she'll be able to add that to her list of things to do now that she has been uh, retiring or evolving from the game, as she says. All right, I had to talk a little, Serena, since uh, that was just an incredible week out there at the U.S. Open. Uh, my 24th annual Anne Ligori Foundation Charity Golf Classic, benefiting cancer research. It's coming up in the next few weeks at uh, beautiful Maidstone golf club and I am happy to say we are sold out and I really want to thank the golf industry because you know every year I reach out to many manufacturers for donations for prizes and premium items for our goodie bags for all the golfers and everyone has always been so generous and it's an incredible part of the golf industry the generosity so I'm very thankful as it really helps make our annual Charity Golf Tournament, a huge success. And I'm very excited because we're honoring Alex Lifeson, Hall of Fame Rush guitarist. He's a huge golfer. So can't wait to spend some time with Alex. And looking forward to honoring Dan Pontecorvo from Jane Street Capital as well, our business honoree. And very excited for the festivities this year. And we look back at this season of golf. What a year for Rory McIlroy. I mean, who would have thought a week ago at the Tour Championship last Sunday morning when this show was in progress with Scotty Scheffler finishing up his third round Sunday morning with birdies on four of his, his six final holes. Who would have thought Rory would rally from six shots back in the final round and win the FedEx Cup for the third time? And all the while being the face of the PJ Tour against live golf and all the energy that must take you know in addition to being very involved with the players as it relates to you know working with the, the pj tour and, and improving it and making it more attractive so that pj tour players are happy and, and stay with the tour so this season is the first time rory has ever finished in the top 10 in all four majors his worst major was an eighth place finish at the pj championship at the masters it was thrilling. He holed out from the bunker on the 72nd hole to post a 64 in that final round, finishing runner-up to Scotty Scheffler. At the U.S. Open, Rory tied for fifth, uh, four shots behind Matt Fitzpatrick. He should have won the Open Championship after that opening round of 66, a second round of 68. Then on Saturday, when he holed out of a bunker on the 10th for Eagle, Closed with a 66, tied with Victor Hovland for that 54-hole lead, a four-shot lead. Then on Sunday, Cam Smith played lights out. And uh, Rory ended up finishing in third place at the Open Championship, two shots behind winner Cameron Smith. But it truly is a gift to have the talent and smarts to be so involved with the game from a policy and player standpoint 
and be able to focus and win on the golf course. I would think most players would prefer not to get involved and just manage their time practicing and playing. Anyway, Scotty Scheffler has to be mega disappointed, but maybe not when you look at the amazing season he's had, winning four titles over the span of two months. Great season for Scotty Scheffler. And uh, Live Golf is moving right along. This weekend they're playing in Boston. Yesterday, uh, Taylor Gooch took a one-shot lead over Joaquin Neiman. DJ is two shots back. Cam Smith stumbled to shoot a 169. He's five shots back. That's after... He dropped a 45-foot bomb for an eagle putt on Friday to shoot a 64, Cam Smith. And on Friday, Matthew Wolf had a hole-in-one on his way to a one-shot lead at 763. That was on Friday. Phil Mickelson, he shot a 74 on Friday, a 169. At plus three, he's in 41st place. I was watching a bit of it yesterday on their website. Certainly, it's more of a relaxed atmosphere. There's a lot of music happening, lots of fun and games for the entire family. But I can't honestly tell you that it held my interest. They have an individual competition going on along with a team competition. I don't know. It just seems too orchestrated for me. And uh, knowing where the money's coming from is a big spoiler for me. And obviously, the fact that it's an exhibition. And doesn't seem like a real tournament. So, not happy about it. But, all right, there is some news that happened off the course. Uh, the players who jumped from PJ Tour to Live Golf were told on Thursday that they are not eligible to play in the PJ Tour. We've known that, that uh, Live Golf players are to be banned from playing on the PJ Tour. But players such as Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau who have not resigned from the tour, received letters from the PJ Tour last week that said their PJ Tour membership cannot and will not be renewed for the 2022-2023 PJ Tour season. We talked about this last week and previous weeks. 11 players who were suspended filed that antitrust uh, lawsuit against the tour a few weeks ago, although four of those players have removed themselves from the lawsuit. Phil Mickelson is one of the players who has remained in that lawsuit, but he has said that he feels that because he earned a lifetime membership to the PJ Tour, that his PJ Tour membership should not be taken away. Well, I don't think any of this will be resolved anytime soon, uh, as I don't think you know we'll even they'll even see the courtroom until maybe midway through 2023. You know, we'll get the timetable from Bob Herrick, who will join us in a few minutes. Uh, Phil gave Bob Herrick of SI Golf Morning Read an exclusive interview this week. And Phil was very careful, as he has been these last couple of months, in answering questions, very careful not to criticize or offend anybody or express any kind of controversial opinion. <laughs> uh, he reiterated several times in the interview with Bob that his commitment is now with Live Golf and that Live Golf is just getting started. So we will talk to Bob Herrick in a few minutes about that interview. And we're seeing more and more players weighing on both sides. Uh, you know, with quotes, uh, Gary Player has been quite vocal about Live Golf, saying in quotes, it's a tour for people who don't have confidence in their future. They don't have the confidence they can be winners. Gary Player weighing in. All right, then at uh, 7.40 this morning, Frank Nabolo, Nabolo, golf commentator for CBS Sports, former tour player. Frank Nabolo will join us, and we'll look back on the PGA season and get his take on all the news. The women are playing at the Dana Open, presented by Marathon at Highland Meadows Golf Club in Sylvania, Ohio. Lucy Lee with scores of 68, 64, 67. Boy, these women are good. She is 14 under overall. She leads Caroline Mason and Lexi Thompson by one shot. Lee won twice on the Epson Tour this year. And she can become the ninth first-time winner this season on the LPGA. Both Caroline Mason and Lexi Thompson shot 665s. Lexi, eagling the ninth, she birdied 15, 16, and 17. She'll be in the final pairing this afternoon with Lucy Lee. And with a win, Lucy Lee 
would earn immediate membership into the LPGA. And Lexi Thompson looking for her first win since the 2019 ShopRite event. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, Bob Herrig will join us. He recently spoke with Phil Mickelson. We'll hear all about that conversation when we come back. But first, let me tell you that Ivy Cole Luxury Athleisure Wear, both for men and women, offers the highest performance-driven apparel to look and feel your best on and off the course. Ivy Cole offers multifunctional, intelligent, the exclusive moisture sensor fabric featuring the ice fill technology. It cools your body so you can stay comfortable and odor-free on hot and humid days. Ivy Cole Apparel also features UPF 50 Plus Sun Protection, colorful, stylish, ultra soft fabric with the latest technology to protect your skin. Look and feel your best. Learn more at IBKUL.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's Talk and Golf with Ann Ligori on the fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66. WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. How are we doing this morning? Rise and shine. Welcome back to Talking Golf with Anne Ligori on this final show of the season. But good news, we will be back next April, starting on the Sunday, kicking off Masters Week. Uh, but anyway, right now joining me is veteran golf writer Bob Herrig, SI Golf, Morning Read. I return appearance for Bob Herrig this morning. How are you, Bob? Good morning. I'm well. Good morning. Thank you. Thanks for joining us again. We had so much fun with you last week and so much to continue to talk about. My goodness, uh, last Sunday when you and I were talking, who would have thought Rory McIlroy would have uh, rallied back from a six-shot deficit and beat Scotty Scheffler? That was some win for Rory. It really was. And, you know, he, Rory had um, buried the last two holes of the third round, which he had to play Sunday morning. And you thought, okay, now he's got him giving himself a chance, but Scotty Shuffler played his last six and four under to give himself a six shot lead. And, and that was the, the deficit Rory, Rory faced at the beginning of the week, you know, due to the format at the tour championship. And you would have thought it was a little deflating. It's like, okay, he cut into it. And now it's the same as it was starting the week. But, um, yeah, so it was a bit of a surprise. I mean, not that Rory could overtake him. Certainly it was possible, but, you know, Scotty kind of gave him the opening early. Um, you know, that lead was gone six holes in. And uh, that was a, 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 bit, a bit of a surprise that, that uh, Scheffler let that happen. It, it's, it's unfortunate for him because he, played, he had such a great year. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody had an issue with him being the FedEx Cup champion. But Rory's the one who got it done in the format, and, and it was a heck of a win for him. 
I mean, Scotty took it pretty well. Uh, you know, privately, who knows how he's dealing with it. But Rory, I, I just think it, you know, was the most appropriate way for the season to end, right? He's just loving his leadership role with the players, it seems like. But I don't know how you can spend so much energy off the course doing what he's doing in his role with the players and, you know, helping the PGA Tour and all these modifications and being kind of like the lead spokesman against Live Golf and then focus on the golf course. I mean, that, that takes a special talent, I think. There's no doubt it could be really distracting. I mean, uh, uh, you know, he was part of that big meeting at the BMW. Um, he, there was obviously a, a board meeting of some sort or a conference call uh, the week of Atlanta, uh, the week of the Tour Championship, uh, leading into it before Jay Monahan made those announcements, and uh, you know it's it's distracting, it's time consuming. Uh, you know, it takes away from working on your game. Uh, you know, and and he kind of he kind of talked about that a little bit, and um, you know, he said, "Look, I just have to had to put it out of my mind when it came to to playing golf, but yet easier said than done, I think." Uh, and yet he did it, you know, he, the, the week of the week of the, um, the Canadian open, uh, that he won, uh, with, you know, Justin Thomas was in the mix there, Tony Finau, you know, that was the weekend of the first live event. And he, you know, there was clearly some motivation for him that he acknowledged. So, you know, this is, this is brought out his best and, uh, you know, and he's playing next week. You know, the, uh, the PJ Tour season's done, but uh, the DP World Tour season continues, and he's playing their signature event, the BMW PGA. So we're going to see some more of Roy here over the next few weeks. And he did say he wasn't looking forward to running into the live golfers who are playing in that event, right? So could we, we could see and hear more fireworks for sure in that in that. Uh, tournament and um i wanted to talk about cam smith because i so enjoy watching cam smith play but very disappointed he jumped over to live golf you you would think a great player like that and really in his prime maybe not even in his prime yet you would think he'd want to play with the top players in the game bob which i believe are still on the pj tour right i mean i I, i'm not surprised because we've been hearing the rumors but what are your thoughts about cam smith jumping over to live golf yeah, I mean, you know, now you've got the, the, the highest-ranked guy to go and and obviously someone who had great success this year. Um, you know, that does a huge get for Liv and uh, just because of what he's accomplished. You know, and given the situation, he's not going to defend his player's championship title. So that's awkward. <laughs> and then, you know, obviously right. he, won the, he won the Open. He's the most recent major winner. He's going to be the most recent major winner until the Masters. You know, so that will be something they can tout for the next seven, eight months. Uh, and, you know, I'm assuming that I, – I, I probably shouldn't assume, but I, I would think that the Masters isn't going to mess with guys who have already qualified um, under the existing – uh, you know, criteria. So, you know, the next time we're going to see Cam Smith against Rory McIlroy, uh, so to speak, is at the Masters. You know, and that's the, that's the really sad thing about this whole situation is say what you want about Liv, there are some good players there who are eligible, who would be eligible for these tournaments, and we're not going to see them. So, you know, and to your point about you think you'd want to play against the best, yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how these guys fare having not played against the best. You know, um, uh, yeah, you know, look, they're going to, I'm sure they're going to go play the Saudi International. They'll play some Asian tour events where a bunch of them will play, um, you know, and there'll be 72 holes. So they'll have some, you know, they'll have some other seasoning besides live golf but I don't think it'll be exactly the same. And, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of an odd, weird situation that we find ourselves in right now and uh, still trying to wrap our arms around all of it, frankly. That's true. 
it's just uh, it's sad that it, you know there's so much division now in in the golf world. Well, let's move on to your exclusive interview with none other than Phil Mickelson. Congrats on getting that interview, and uh, you know, but he did seem more guarded than ever in answering questions and he doesn't seem like he wants to say the wrong thing or stir up any more controversy. What, what's your takeaway from, from that interview with Phil? Yeah, listen, I think that's a good take right there. Phil, uh, I spoke to him Thursday night and, and he, he clearly is measured now much more measured. Um, he's, you know, I talked to him in June before the first event, and he said then, um, before the first live event, kind of when he came out of, you know, hiding, so to speak, he said then, I've, I've said some things I shouldn't have said. You know, I've, I've talked about the tour in public, and I should have kept it private. And let's be honest, that's a great point. You know, I mean, um, because he caused himself a lot of harm. By, by, by going public with some of this stuff when, you know, or he could have done it a little bit more, well, certainly a lot more strategically. You know, he could have gotten his point across without being so harsh. You know, accusing the PGA Tour of obnoxious greed, that became the headline as opposed to the actual meaning which was he thought they had more funds to spend on the top players. And that's sort of why I wanted to talk to him because that's what we've seen happen. You know, all of a sudden within a short period of time, as we talked about last week, you know, the tour came up with $160, million, roughly to throw in the pot for next year, you know, and I think that was Phil's underlying point. And that's, that was the main reason I was hoping to get him because I felt like just keeping it in the golf context, obviously there's so much more to this, you know, Phil, you know, he's been asked the question a bunch about, you know, the Saudi uh, backing and, 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 you know, turning your back on the PGA tour. But ultimately the reason that live exists is due to some of the things that Phil and other players believed that they could do better by these guys. And so that was the whole point of the conversation. And, you know, he more or less confirmed that he wasn't pounding his chest. He was trying to take the high road as best he could, which was, I'm happy for the players. I'm happy that they are being listened to, that the top players are having an impact. Um, and you know, this is good for all golfers. You know, the ones who came over to live are being rewarded nicely. And now the guys who stayed on the PGA Tour are going to see um, a nice increase in funds and, and opportunities. So, but to your point, yes, he was reserved. He's careful, very measured. Um, I'm not quite sure that he is over the shock of all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is just my 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 guess, my my sort of gut feeling based on having talked to him for a good while, you know, he's, he's not the gregarious outgoing Phil right now, you know, and um, while he talks a good game, I, I think anybody who's human would have to, um, you know, have a tough time with all the criticism, you know, that he's, he spent 30 years, you know, pretty much having a great, you know, response from fans and sponsors, what have you. And now it's pretty much, I would say, the feelings towards him are 75, 25 negative. You know, a lot of, a lot of negativity towards him, a lot of abuse, a lot of, a lot of um, uh, excuse me, a lot of ill will, frankly. And um, I, just, I don't think that can be easy, even though he's tried his best to not let on. Right. I mean, I, I looked at the leaderboard from the event up in Boston, and he's way down in, what, 40-something and plus three. I mean, it just doesn't seem like he's even motivated to play good golf. I, I don't know. He's just – it doesn't seem like he – golf right now is like his major priority. But do you think 
he will ever be able to regain that likability factor? I mean, you're talking about somebody, as you said, who was loved, who was at the top of the world after winning the PGA Championship, you know, at the age of 50. I mean, he lost so many fans with the way things went down this past year. Do you think he can ever regain that popularity? I don't think he'll ever get back to the level that he was. Um, you know, yesterday was, I think it was only his third subpar score since he's come back. You know, he's had, I think he's had three subpar scores in live events. He's played, you know, he played the U- two rounds of the U.S. Open and four at the Open and didn't break par. Um, right, he was, uh, I think he shot a minus one yesterday and a 74 on uh, the first day, so. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's only, in, you know, so that's 69. And that's, you know, he's not gone low. Now, I asked him about his game, and he said he's been working hard on it. Um, he's, you know, he's, he admitted it was, it's been harder to return uh, to top form than, than he thought. Um, he's, he said, I, I'm, playing be- I'm playing better at home than I'm showing. I need to start showing some scoring. Um, and yet, you know, it really hasn't happened. Like you said, I don't think he's even in the top 40. He's been finishing, you know, way down in these events, you know way behind um and you know i i don't know how you regain your popularity i don't know how you do it what's going to be the stage you know he's 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 in he's in all the majors next year um but you know, he, he's 52 years old and he's asking we're asking him to be competitive when it's even without all of this it would have been hard to be competitive in, in the majors you know and um you know, I I had heard behind the scenes that he he made a significant donation um, to the first tee in San Diego, uh, but he kind of kept it under wraps. And I'm sort of thinking, why not talk about that, or why not you know announce that, or what have you? I mean, he needs to show some positives from this. You know, I think all these players could if they if they it's not going to convince everybody. But if they showed some ability to use some of that money for some good, um, you know, that would be a big deal. Uh, so, again, how do you regain that popularity? I'm, I'm not sure that you do. And he believes that because he is a lifelong member of the PJ Tour that he should be able to, you know, still play in PJ Tour events, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, of, <clears throat> of all the live guys, he, he – I actually think he had a point there to a degree, you know, um, listen, the tours regulations are, are very clear. You have to get permission to play in an outside event and, um, they weren't granting permission for these events. So if you just take it at face value, he's in violation. Okay. So you got to put that part aside. His, his view is that he could easily maintain um, his membership uh, by playing in X number of PJ Tour events that he cherry-picked. And his point was, is if I didn't play anything else and played those, uh, everything would have been fine. You know, nothing would have, <clears throat> nothing would have happened. I, I could have played six, eight, ten events, and I wasn't required to play 15, and I, you know, no, nobody would have said anything, but because I want to go play somewhere else and do that, I'm in trouble. You know, that was sort of his, his take on it. And he, it's, I guess it's a fair point. You know, the other guys, when they're talking about trying to play both, um, well, it's just not realistic that you're going to play 14 for live and you're going to play 15 on the tour, you know, <clears throat> unless they change their rules which, you know, listen, frankly, both sides would have to do if there was going to ever be any kind of a coming together. But, I mean, as it stands right now, I mean, that's just almost, you know, that's just not realistic. I mean, the only guy playing that number of events would have been like Patrick Reed. You know, most of these guys are playing in the low 20s. Um, You know, so the idea that, okay, you're going to play 15 tour events, including all the majors, and then you're going to go play 14 of theirs. It's just, it just doesn't seem it doesn't possible. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be continued, Bob, we're up against a break, but, you know, Phil also says he believes wholeheartedly he will be at Augusta. So, hey, lots uh, of question marks, but um, it makes it interesting for 
talk show host like me to, to talk <laughs> about this. And I appreciate you coming on. Great work as always. Thanks again for being on Talking Golf. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks so much, Bob Herrick. All right, we need more time with everybody. All right, coming up, Frank Nabilo, CBS Sports golf commentator, former tour player. We'll look back on this PGA Tour season, get his take on all these top stories. But first, let me tell you, as the brand ambassador for Ivy Cool, I can attest to the high-quality, performance-driven leisure apparel that is perfect to wear on and off the course. Not only does the moisture sensor fabric keep me cool on the links, Ivy Cool garments also feature UPF Sun Plus protection. All this plus a wide variety of colorful and stylish silhouettes in tops, shorts, pants, skirts, and dresses. And men can choose from many styles as well. Look your best. Protect your skin. IBKUL.com. It's Talking Golf with Ann Liguori on The Fan. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Talking Golf. And let's look at some of the top stories in golf. And with that, I welcome in Frank Nabilo, golf commentator, CBS Sports. Good morning, Frank. Welcome to Talking Golf. Thank you very much. I do that for a living, and just like you. I know. Isn't it fun? <laughs> it has its moments, believe me, <laughs> as you very well know. Absolutely. And um, as you look back at this PJ Tour season, Frank, just interested in getting your overall thoughts. We've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, I think you need a kaleidoscope, really, to, to look at 2021, 2022. Um, you know, there's the obvious thing that everybody's talking about right now, which is live. Um, but really, I go back to the start of the, the calendar year. I remember at Tory Pines where CBS was starting the first show, and that's where we met the Netflix people. And uh, we, were, you know, we were led to believe it was going to be good. You know, Netflix were going to do like Drive to Survive on golf. But it would be great for golf. It would show people, you know, what a wonderful game it is, how good the you know professional golf is and all of that. And then in amongst this, uh, you know, all the young players, the fact that we have, you know, the five biggest tournaments or the four majors all won by 20-year-olds. We had a great rookie class. And um, and yet everybody basically moves to, to the big elephant in the room, which is Liv. And playing their fourth tournament this week, which I think is, is stating the obvious is the huge destabilizer of what would have been a great season. Right, exactly. I mean, it just got so distracting talking about it, but you, you have to, right, because it's, 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 it's real now. But, um, you know, I was talking to, to Bob Herrig about Rory McIlroy earlier, and, and for you as a former tour player, I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate the extra effort it takes to play such an active role, in, you know, in player policy and working with the tour to make changes. I mean, he and Rory embraces that role. It, it can't be easy to do all of that off the course. I mean, could you imagine being that involved when you played? It, it, it's pretty amazing, right? Well, a lot of players were, and I think I think that's that's where the sort of the split in the road comes because. You know, one of the things that's come out, I, I was actually, uh, I remember back to the lawsuit, it was before the Ping lawsuit, before I was playing on the PGA Tour. I remember talking to Roger Maltby, who was on that board. I think that was back in 1989. That went on for three or four years. But there was a lot of players on that board. They split. They didn't know whether, you know, equipment should be allowed, the square groove issue, should be allowed to dominate the game. The Nicholas's, the Palmer's, um, you know, there's been so many Generation Woods is doing his part as well. So it's not just Rory. I think Rory is has done really what should have been, you know, if, if Arnold Palmer was still alive or, you know, Jack Nicholas was still on tour, they'd be doing the exact same thing. Um, Seve spoke up for Europe. Nick Faldo spoke up for Europe when they were in their, in their, in their prime. So it's, I think it's a continuation of that. That's actually the obligation and the expectation of the best players in the game, not go behind closed doors and, um, and, and really sort of drive a wedge. Uh, there's a lot more ways to, to get the job done, but yeah, so, but, but, yeah, we should be proud of that. But I also expect that from the game's best players. Right. Good point. Good point. And you had mentioned, then, as another positive story, four different guys who won the majors this year, they were all under the age of 30, right? Scotty Scheffler won, winning mm. the Masters, 25. Matt Fitzpatrick winning the U.S. Open at 27. Uh, Justin Thomas, 29, winning the PJ Championship. And Cam Smith, 28, uh, winning the Open Championship. Um, aside from the fact that Cam Smith just bolted for Live Golf, I mean, it has to be good news for the PJ Tour that these young guns are 
are you know winning these major championships and and doing so well on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Well, golf as a whole, because, you know, obviously, you know, Cam comes from Australasia where Seb Stracker's first uh, Austrian player to win this year on the PGA Tour. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of, a, a lot of players come from, coming from various countries doing some amazing things, but, but you're right, youth. Zalatoris getting his first win, sadly couldn't play the last two playoff events, but winning the first one in Memphis. They're, they're really the, the story of, I think, the last sort of decade when, um, since Jordan Spieth, you know, Justin Thomas have come on the scene, it's, it's the changing of the guard. You know, Tiger obviously has had, uh, he's been able to play less, but he's still been out there enough to gently pass the baton along. But it's really been picked up, and the style of play that I see with these young guys, I mean, that the rookie class, Cameron Young, Seath, Fagala, and, um, and Davis Riley, I mean, they were the three standouts. Obviously, Cameron Young, the best of those three, but... They're coming through thick and fast, which makes the game appear healthy when you really go past the level that everybody's talking about. So that's the level that I look at. I'm trying to look at the next stars that are coming through, the ones that are capable of winning the biggest championships and playing the best golf. And, and they're coming through extremely fast, and they're coming through from a lot of different places. Oh, absolutely. There's so much depth on the, on the tour. It's just incredible to see. All right, so what are your thoughts Frank, about uh, Live Golf and, and the battle going on between Live and the PGA Tour. What are your overall thoughts about it all? Um, I, I just wish it went elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot of the analogies, and, and you know, sadly, we get a lot of our news through social media, and a lot of it's not true. For example, youth. You know, when your product is on YouTube TV, you know, my mum couldn't find YouTube TV. Oh, sorry, YouTube, not YouTube TV. But my mum couldn't find that. So you're going to get, you're going to morph it. To a, a different demographic to start off with, um, and the and the the insinuation is is that the game is getting older or whatever. Well, that that's also why golf has survived. Its demographic is, graphic is extremely valuable to promoters. We don't get the ratings, stating the obvious that NFL and in the NBA and 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 Major League Baseball get. So we have to compete in a different way. So we have a very rich demographic. So, you know, that sadly doesn't get talked about when, when Liv talks about its numbers and all that. And I saw, just like everybody else, you read it, you know, you see everything. You know, Greg talking about wearing shorts. You know, players can wear shorts if, if that's the biggest thing. But overall, you know, the, I think the easiest way to put it, if you've got to pay people to come to your party, then maybe it's not the best party in the street. And, and that's probably the easiest way. But... Um, to put it, but I, I just really think they should have taken the leaf out of Formula One's mold. Formula One is a business model. Bernie Eccleston locked up all those uh, TV rights around the world. They proved their product elsewhere, and now they have three Formula One races in America. The, also, the, uh, the, they, they referred to cricket. Well, the IPL is a business model. They sold the TV rights for $6 billion dollars. So, but once again, that wasn't just people trying to buy some of the top players and be the stabilizer. That was uh, an organization that worked in the off season for the cricketers. So, I think if you if you go past the first level of what you read about, you get a little bit of the truth there. And, and I think that's the biggest problem. You know, we're hearing players, for example, that, that have spoken so well for the last five to ten years, and in one week completely changed the narrative. You know, want more time with their families and. And whatever, and and it's a shame because the the people I liked, I've had dinner with over the years, and and I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think you can get caught up to where the money comes from. I mean, we live in a, I love the word duplicitous because it's been used so often recently, but that's the sort of world we live in. Um, but but in the end, it's like, you know, where did you come from? Um, I, I hailed in from New Zealand. I, I've never ever forgotten that. And I think sometimes people have conveniently just pushed some things behind the door. And, and I think that's the saddest thing that's happened this year. I know that's a roundabout way, but I think I would stick with my best one, which is, you know, if you have to pay people to come to a party, then it's not the best party in town. Right, right. And so much. I mean, unlimited funds. But where is the return on investment when you look at it? How do they make back any of this money? Well, you know, I love a crystal ball. I would imagine gambling's a big thing. Um, also selling the teams. There's rumor that, you know, the teams were going to sell for, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars. If there's 12 teams, that's $3 billion. You get money back there. Um, and it's a different product. That's why I, I, I would have imagined that if, if the people at the helm um, really looked at some of those other sports, cricket, which they've talked about, and Formula One, they would start el elsewhere. But you could see it was a deliberate, let's have a go uh, in, in domestic America. 
and and we're going to have a go there, which which does reek of an agenda. There's golf should be spread worldwide, and there's there's they, they would have had a very good vehicle to do that, but instead they wanted to you know they, they want to pick a fight, and now and now it becomes ugly, um, one way or the other. And it's a turf war, but but you know I feel bad too for the European Tour, the Australasian Tour. You know it's not just the PGA Tour, but that's where the fight is at the moment. Um, and it's just a shame because we need more money in the game. There's no no question about it. But I think the players too have to look at it. <clears throat> really, if if you want to look at pure viewership, they're they're not entitled to uh, you know NFL money. They're, they're not. They're, I know they play longer. They have a longer lifespan. They will make a lot more money. Fortune magazine. You know, I think the top fifty athletes. You know, three of the top five are golfers. So golfers do extremely well in the sporting environment. So you just have to take one one step back sometimes and and look at the whole landscape. Oh, absolutely, and it's not all about the money. I mean, you, you see Cam Smith, who's just incredibly talented, and wouldn't you think that he'd want to play with the best players in the world in meaningful <clears throat> competitions? Yeah, you, you, you would. And I, you, yeah, I'd like to think in ten years that's going to be a massive regret. Five years, I, I, I think some of them genuinely believe and we've already heard that from some of the players that that they never thought they would be banned from the tour that it wouldn't hold up and i know that the the lawsuit is impending so so once again they've been sold a, a bill of goods i can take a lot of cash here I'll, I'll get i'll be able to play both anyway or you know if i'm sick of this i'll just go back and play like it's that convenient um you know this is my girlfriend today and this is my girlfriend tomorrow that that's going to work um, but it, but it, it's not going to wash, and and the and the sums of money are, are obscene. Um, I thought what Harold Varner wrote was was probably the most genuine thing that I've read. Um, and you know, I have a lot of respect for him as a as a as a guy and, and as a player too. Um, and it, it's sad to see players like him go as well. Cameron Smith, you're right, number two player in the world wins the Players Championship and the Open Championship. Yeah, that's a big loss. And, but it's a big loss more, in my opinion, just for golf. And, and you know, I know people use the word legacy. I just want the, you know, I do want the, the guys to compete. But, you know, if you're going to play 54 holes or go elsewhere, you know, you're not putting yourself into the best possible frame to play your best golf. He knows that. Everybody knows that. You know, the Greg Norman, who's running the tour, he never he never approached events that way. You know, Nick Faldo, who sadly said farewell this year. I mean, he was <clears throat> tireless in his pursuit to be a better player tomorrow than what he was today. Well, on a positive note, Frank, when you're saying golf should be spread across the world, right, worldwide, the winners of the five majors on the, on the women's tour are from five different countries. So that's a good thing, right? You have Jennifer Cupjo, who won uh, the Chevron Championship. She's American. You have Minji Lee from Australia. She won the U.S. Women's Open. You have Ji Chung from the KPMG Women's PGA from South Korea. Brooke Henderson from Canada won the Evian Championship. And Ashley uh, Buhai won the uh, Women's British Open from South Africa. So We'll end on a positive note. The women um, who won these major championships from all over the world. Um, and so hopefully um, the women can continue to you know, go strong and not have this threat of live golf for sure. Yeah, I know Dottie Pippa's, Pippa's involved in that. They have a meeting coming up. But you know, Minji, uh, Minji Lee, uh, my good friend Mike Clayton um, down in Australia, he told me about Minji years ago as well as her brother uh, Minwoo Lee who's sort of starting to make his life, his, his mark. And I remember doing the first Anwar at Augusta, seeing uh, Jennifer Cupcho win there. So, you know, it's it's neat to see these girls as well uh, just turn into, you know, turn their potential into results. Um, they're, they're, there's, it's talent. The, 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 big, the one word that comes out in 22 is talent. That's the thing, if you want to leave. That's the positive note. There's a lot of talent out there, male and female. Absolutely. So much depth. Frank, always a pleasure. Two, we don't have enough time, but it's always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dan. Take care. Have a, have a great rest of the Labor Day weekend. My thanks to Frank Nabilo, to Bob Herrig, to Ed, our Zoom-in in the studio. He's been in the studio most every Sunday for Talking Golf this season. Thank you, Ed. Uh, that wraps up this season of Talking Golf, which we started on Masters Sunday, the first Sunday in April, and have visited with you every Sunday morning here on The Fan from 7 to 8, from April to this Labor Day weekend Sunday. We'll return next April, so I'm very pleased about that. And I so appreciate your emails and tweets and messages. 
Talking Golf with Anne Ligori is brought to you by IB Cool Luxury Athleisure Apparel for Men and Women. Visit IBKOL.com to learn more. Stay tuned for Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge. Stay well, be kind, stay active. And I look forward to returning as host of Talking Golf in April of 2023. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful holiday weekend. Bye, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.